Hello and welcome to Leaving Cert Classics, a student's guide. This is my podcast for your Leaving Cert. Let's get started. So today we're going to look at book 9 to 12. And when we left off, Odysseus was just about to fill in the gaps and tell us the story of his journey after the fall of Troy. And book 9 begins following the fall of Troy. Odysseus and his crew land in the land of Ismaris and the city of the Sicones. Driven by greed and probably spurred on by their recent victory in Troy, they plunder the land. But their actions lead to a counter-attack by the Siconian forces. Odysseus managed to escape but loses six men per ship. Subsequently, they face a storm sent by Zeus that lasts for nine days which then brings them to the land of the Lotus Eaters. Some of Odysseus's men consume the intoxicating lotus fruit, causing them to lose all desire to return home. Only by forcibly removing them from the island does Odysseus manage to continue their journey. They then arrive in the land of the Cyclops, a race of one-eyed giants. After a successful hunt for wild goats, they venture to the mainland and discover a cave filled with livestock and provisions. Though Odysseus's men advise for a swift departure, on this occasion, Odysseus makes a poor decision and his curiosity leads him to linger, ultimately resulting in their capture by Polyphemus, a cyclops and son of Poseidon. Polyphemus initially feigns hospitality, but he soon turns hostile, devouring two of Odysseus's men and imprisoning the rest. Realising he cannot defeat Polyphemus alone, Odysseus devises a cunning plan. When Polyphemus is out tending his sheep, Odysseus sharpens a wooden staff in the cave's fire. Upon Polyphemus's return, Odysseus gets him drunk on wine. And when the giant asks Odysseus what his name is, he cleverly responds, nobody. With Polyphemus drunk, Odysseus and his men drive the wooden staff into his one eye blinding him. Polyphemus cries out for help, but his cries go unanswered because he is shouting out, nobody is killing me, help. The next morning, Odysseus and his men escape the cave, hiding beneath the sheep as they leave the greys. Safely back in their ships, Odysseus reveals his true identity and taunts Polyphemus. So in the one instance, showing us his intelligence and his cunning, but also showing his negative side of his leadership. In a vengeful prayer to his father Poseidon, the blinded Cyclops seeks retribution against Odysseus. And that's book nine. We have gone from Troy to the land of the Cyclones, next to the land of the Lotus Eaters, and then to the land of the Cyclops. The Polyphemus incident, one of the most famous in all of epic literature. So a short analysis under our headings. Looking at the characteristics of heroes, we see cleverness and resourcefulness. Odysseus demonstrates his strategic thinking in devising a plan to blind Polyphemus, a foe much stronger than himself. However, don't forget, it is his fault that they are in the cave. Under the heading Leadership in Ancient Epic, we see decision-making under pressure. 
Odysseus's quick thinking and ability to make crucial decisions in high-stakes situations showcase his leadership capabilities. We also see him protecting and leading his crew. He takes on the responsibility of guiding and protecting his men, even if it means resorting to unconventional methods. Under the heading of heroic society, we see consequences of greed. The encounter with the Sicones serve as a cautionary tale about the consequences of unchecked greed and the importance of prudent decision-making. Under the heading Heroic Narratives, we have struggle and triumph. Odysseus's encounters with Polyphemus exemplifies the hero's journey, wherein the protagonist faces a formidable challenge and ultimately triumphs through wit and or courage. We have themes of retribution and vengeance. The section introduces the theme of divine retribution, with Polyphemus seeking revenge from Poseidon for Odysseus's actions. So ultimately, this section of the Odyssey showcases Odysseus' resilience and cunning in the face of a daunting challenge. It also introduces the motif of divine intervention and retribution, further propelling the narrative forward. However, we also see mistakes made by Odysseus, showing us that he is a rounded character and not a one-dimensional protagonist like we have in someone like Achilles in the Iliad. After leaving the land of the Cyclops, Odysseus and his crew arrive at the home of Aeolus, the ruler of the winds. Aeolus gives Odysseus a bag containing all the winds, except the west wind, which he can use to bring himself home. Within ten days they reach Ithaca. So close. But suspicions among the crew lead them to believe that Odysseus has a hidden treasure. They open the bag, releasing the winds, and causing a storm that sends him back to Aeolia. This time, Aeolus refuses further assistance, convinced the gods are against Odysseus. The crew then sail to the land of the Lestragonians. These are giants who devour Odysseus's scouts. The Lestragonians destroy all the ships, save Odysseus's alone. Next, they arrive on Aea, home of the enchanting Circe. She turns some of Odysseus' remaining men into pigs, prompting Odysseus to seek their rescue. Hermes advises him on how to overcome Circe's magic, and Odysseus successfully transforms his men back to human form. Odysseus and his crew stay with Circe for a year, living in luxury. Now consider, at this time, Odysseus' wife is at home in Ithaca, trying to avoid the suitors. When eventually they decide to continue their journey, Odysseus seeks guidance from Circe on returning to Ithaca. She directs him to Hades, the realm of the dead, to consult with Tiresias, a blind prophet. The next morning, as they prepare to depart, they discover that Alpinor, the youngest crew member, had fallen from the roof and died the previous night. Odysseus explains the new course they must take, which disappoints the crew. So an analysis of book 10. And we see different characteristics of heroes. We see leadership and strategic thinking. Odysseus displays this when seeking guidance from Circe and also making decisions for the crew, even if they are unpopular. We also see adaptability. He shows this when he's able to navigate various challenges, from confronting Polyphemus 
to overcoming Circe's enchantments. We see how he is responsible for his crew. He seeks safety for them. He looks after their well-being, as seen in the efforts to rescue them from Circe's spell. Odysseus's role as a leader involves making critical decisions in difficult situations, such as choosing the course to Hades for guidance from Tiresias. We also see tropes of epics in this book. We see fate and divine intervention. Odysseus's fate is influenced by the gods, as seen in the initial assistance from Aeolus, but then the subsequent withdrawal of support. We also see triumph over adversity. We have Odysseus's ability to overcome obstacles, such as Polyphemus and Circe's magic. We also see moral dilemmas and loss. The accidental death of Elpenor introduces a moral dilemma for Odysseus, highlighting the sacrifices and losses endured in their quest. So this section showcases Odysseus's leadership, adaptability and resourcefulness as he navigates a series of perilous encounters. It also introduces themes of fate, divine intervention and the moral complexities inherent in their journey. Before we move on to book 11, I just want to remind you that currently Odysseus is telling this story from the court of the Phaeacians. He is telling this story to King Alcanus, who asked him several times to reveal his identity. And when he found out it was Odysseus, he asked him to tell the story. So everything we're reading here is flashback. Now, moving on with book 11. And Odysseus reaches the river of the ocean in the land of the Chimerians, following Circe's instructions to summon the souls of the dead. Elpenor, the deceased crewman, appears first, asking for a proper burial. Odysseus then encounters the Theban prophet Tiresias, who reveals that Poseidon is punishing the Achaeans for blinding Polyphemus. And remember, whose fault is that? Not just being captured by Polyphemus, but the revelation of who he was. Tiresias then predicts Odysseus' return home, the struggle with the suitors, and a subsequent journey to appease Poseidon. He warns against harming the flocks of the sun in Trinacia. You can probably guess what's going to happen when they reach Trinacia. And then Odysseus communicates with other spirits, including his mother, Anticlea, who updates him on Ithaca's affairs and her own passing. He meets various famous men and heroes, hearing the stories of their lives and deaths. He briefly pauses, but the Phaeacian hosts urge him to continue asking about encounters with fallen Greeks from Troy. Odysseus recounts his meetings with Agamemnon, Achilles, and the silent Ajax. He observes other punished souls like Sisyphus and Tantalus, tormented by unattainable desires for food and water. Overwhelmed by the multitude of souls seeking news of their loved ones, Odysseus grows fearful and hastily returns to his ship, setting sail immediately. So let's analyze Odysseus in that section. His journey to the land of the dead displays his courage and determination in facing the unknown and communing, talking with spirits. We see compassion and responsibility. His interaction with Elpenor reveals this, and we see his sense of responsibility for his crew's well-being even after death. So Odysseus's visit to Hades is a demonstration of his resourcefulness and his willingness to seek advice even from departed souls in his quest to return home.
Tiresias' prophecy highlights Odysseus' strategic thinking as he learns about future obstacles and prepares for them. We learn a lot in this section, both about narrative structure of these heroic epics and also life in these heroic times. We have interaction with the afterlife. And this interaction with spirits underscores the belief of ancient Greeks in an afterworld and the desire for communication with their departed loved ones. We also see moral lessons through punishment. The punishment of figures like Sisyphus and Tantalus serves as a moral lesson about the consequences of hubris and greed. Not dissimilar to what we would teach to our own children today about a hell. So this section highlights Odysseus' encounter with the supernatural, offering insights into his character, his leadership characters, and the moral lessons embedded in the story. It also introduces a foreboding sense of the challenges that lie ahead for Odysseus. He is not yet home. He has more difficulties yet to come. And finally for today, we have Book 12. And Odysseus leaves the realm of the dead and returns to Aia, where he buries Elpenor and spends his final night with Circe. She provides him with guidance on the obstacles he will face during his voyage home. Following these instructions, Odysseus has his men plug their ears with beeswax and bind him to the mass of their ship as they pass the enchanting sirens. He alone hears their seductive song, which would lure them to a shipwreck if the men were to hear it. Odysseus begs to be released, but to no avail. Continuing their journey, they confront the treacherous straits between Scylla and Charbidus. Odysseus steers the ship close to Scylla's lair, losing six sailors to their multiple heads. But this does mean he avoids complete destruction in the whirlpool of Charbidus. We have more moral conundrums there. They reach Trinacia, the island of the sun, where Odysseus intends to avoid landing. However, Eurylochus persuades the crew to disobey and slaughter the sacred cattle for sustenance. This act leads to their doom, and Zeus sends a storm that destroys the final ship and drowns all of the crew with the sole exception of Odysseus. After narrowly escaping Charbidus once more, Odysseus drifts to Ogygia, Calypso's island, where he pauses in his narrative, choosing not to recount his experience there to the Phaeacians. I bet he won't tell his wife when he gets home either. Okay, and for the final time in today's episode, let's analyze. We have characteristics of heroes. We have resilience and survival instincts. Odysseus' ability to navigate through dangerous encounters, such as the Sirens and Scylla and Charbidus, showcases his resourcefulness and determination to survive. We have examples of leadership. Odysseus's careful navigation through the straits between Scylla and Charbidus reflects his astute leadership and ability to make critical decisions under pressure. Under the heading of heroic society, we have divine retribution. Odysseus and his men were warned not to touch the cattle of the sun, and when they slaughtered them, Zeus punishes them, showing us the theme of divine intervention and the consequences of defying the gods. This section highlights again Odysseus's trials and showcases his leadership qualities 
decision-making skills, and the enduring supernatural elements that shape his journey. The narrative tension is heightened as the crew faces increasingly perilous situations resulting in their destruction. As the whole of the crew is reduced down to just Odysseus. So there we have our summary and analysis of books 9 to 12. And this leaves us exactly halfway through our epic. If we were to plot this on a timeline, our epic begins roughly 20 years after Odysseus left home to travel to Troy. It took 10 years to conquer Troy, and now Odysseus has been travelling home for 10 years. When we meet him, he is on the island of Calypso, and from there, he goes to the island of the Phasians, where he fills in the story. So we see his first stop from Troy is the land of Sicones. Then he goes to the land of the Lotus Eaters. Then he goes to the Cyclops, where he meets Polyphemus. Then he goes to Aeolus. Then the Lestragonians, and then Circe. From there, he goes to the Underworld, back to Circe, and then on to Calypso. And that is us filled in. In an exam, you don't need to know all of those in huge detail, but be prepared to use examples and closely refer to them in an essay. Polyphemus is possibly the easiest one to remember, and it's also one of the most important because we see Odysseus annoying the sea god Poseidon. I didn't mention Scylla and Charybdis there because they didn't technically stop there, and the same with the sirens. These were incidents that happened along the way, but they're also quite famous and they're also quite easy to remember, and they work nicely in an essay to add to the argument of good leadership, of moral dilemma. So be aware of them and be able to use them. So where that leaves us is on the island of the Phasians, the backstory has been filled in and we are now ready to move on. So join me next time where we'll move on to book 13 and we'll see what happens next in the story of Odysseus on his journey home where ultimately he is going to fight the suitors and win back his city. Thanks for listening and bye for now.